Welcome to the Socialette Podcast, where we empower you with the marketing know-how you need to create the business of your dreams. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a marketing nerd, Shiraz lover, and passport stamp collector. Join me as I dive into all things small business marketing and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free lessons every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's get learning. Welcome back to the Socialette Podcast. This is episode 75. And today I'm chatting with the amazing Anita from WordFetty. She's the founder of WordFetty, which is a copywriting house that specializes in disruptive, thought provoking, and engaging copywriting. Your website copy plays such an important part in marketing your business. So it is absolutely crucial that you get it right. In today's episode, Anita and I chat all about why copy is important, what makes good website copy, how to DIY your copy, and what to look for in a copywriter if you were to decide to outsource. Anita is one of my quote-unquote business friends, so we had an absolute blast in this interview. I got a lot out of it, and I know that you will as well, so let's just dive straight in. Hi, Anita. Thanks so much for coming on the Socialette podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So, Anita, for our listeners who aren't familiar with you, tell us, please, who is Anita and what does WordFetty do? Yep. So I, um, so yes, my name's Anita and I'm the founder and director of WordFetty. We are a copywriting studio um, that specializes in helping brands stand out through strategy, psychology, and words. Um, my little elevator spiel is <laughs> we do not believe in traditional copywriting, um, but instead we believe in disruptive, thought-provoking and engaging copywriting. So uh, we want to be writing words that stick, words that make people feel something and words that um, yeah trigger those discussions. I love that you said that that was your elevator spiel because <laughs> we actually did an episode on this really recently about your elevator pitch and crafting one. So that was a perfect example. <laughs> if, anyone's, if anyone's wondering how to craft the elevator pitch, just go back <laughs> a few minutes or a few seconds and listen to Anita's one. So Anita, how did you get into copywriting? Like, were you born with a pen in your hand? <laughs> uh, no. Okay, so I had a super non-linear path to copywriting. Um, Does anyone have a linear path in business? Right. This is true. This is true. It's, um, I'll quickly take the listeners through a little bit of a journey. So I, um, I, back in uni, I studied um, law and psychology and that took me, it was six and a half years for two very expensive pieces of paper. (laughs) Um, And my, I guess I have always enjoyed writing. I was always someone who at uni would prefer writing assignments and assess and and all of that instead of, I guess, an exam because I had the time to refine it and make it perfect um, and all of that. I'd always enjoyed it. I never thought that that could have been a job. You could have, I don't know, maybe written a book or been a, um, or something like that. But then I was like, you can't really have a full-time job being a writer, right? So I, it didn't really hit me until like a number of things happened, um, in my personal life. Like I went and got a corporate job and, 
Um, I really enjoyed that job, but I think it was, yeah, the personal, uh, to give you guys a bit of an idea in terms of what personal was, like it was just a little bit of, you know, soul searching, Ah. a little bit of, um, I also had, for me personally, I also um, lost my dad quite suddenly as well. That was a bit of a watermelon to the head moment as well. Um, And I think when I saw as well around a, yeah, when that happened, I was still in uni, um, about to finish. I was like, my dad was such a hard worker that even he would, even when he was, so he had cancer, even though he was literally in hospital, um, with terminal illness, he was still working because he just absolutely loved what he was doing. I mean, a part of that, of course, was he wanted to make sure mum and I were looked after, but he was just, he just loved his job so much. And I just wish I had that and when I did that soul searching I was like I really enjoy writing and you know let's let's put let's put together a website which I literally did in like a week or two and I launched it pretty quickly or um, while you were still working or while I was still wow. working so I was in the corporate job and I juggled it side juggled it with my corporate job for around a year um until I left officially um and that was at the end of November last year so it's almost coming up to like the one year anniversary that is so exciting it's it's funny too because I remember I remember texting you as well yeah I actually remember when you resigned so clearly now (laughs) (laughs) yes oh that is and you've come so far in a year like it is so it is so amazing um how did you how did you know you were ready to take that leap Oh, to be, to be honest, I don't think there was a single thing that made me feel like I was ready because in my head I was like, okay, when this happens, I will be able to leave. Yeah. But I think a lot of people don't realise when you're side juggling with working a corporate job, you're not giving it like a full-time no, energy exactly. either. So you can't expect to get that far either. You really need to be quite realistic and not be like, okay, if I earn as much as I do in my full-time job, I'm ready. Well, not necessarily. No. Like you could. In some instances, of course you could, but um, I guess not in all instances as well. I think for me it was just – it got to the stage where if uh, – I didn't leave, then one job would, whether or not it's my corporate job or Word yeah. 30, would be kind of being jeopardised kind of yeah, thing. So I exactly. had to choose. And you couldn't give them both 100%. No, and that's, yeah, exactly. I mean, you could you could try and give them both 100%, but you'd end up being like exactly. a very stressed, yeah, yeah, yeah. not so happy human being. That's it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so let's talk a little bit about copywriting because it's something we haven't really spoken about on this podcast before and it's it's something like it's super valuable to business and it's like it's a skill that I wish I had. So <laughs> I'm just going to pick up as like while we're here. Um, okay, so what makes good copy? What do you think like in your eyes what makes good copy? Okay, so I think for me to kind of give you a bit of an explanation as to what I think is good copy. I'm going to give you an example of what I think is good copy and what I think is great copy. Oh, okay. Oh, so, okay. Turn so, my own question upside down. Uh-huh. So, okay. So, good copy, I think, will talk about your benefits. And, for example, let's talk about a product. It will talk about the benefits and features, probably, yeah. of it. Great copy, on the other hand, will really take that product as though you can and, and describe it in a way you can almost smell it and Ooh. taste it Ooh. and feel it. 
Um, and when it comes to services, I guess good copy will talk about, you know, your qualifications, your years of experience, like yeah. all the, you know, wealth of knowledge that you've got, which in a way is important. But great copy on the other hand, blah, it's really taking it that extra level and describing and going into the value of, I guess, all that expertise and yeah. experience and in a way also why what you do and kind of how you do it, why does that matter um, and what it feels like for someone to work with you as well. Why you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's really taking it that extra extra step, I guess, higher than to simply just describe something for the sake of the benefits and features. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So what are some of the big mistakes that you see people making with their copy then? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I would probably say, and this is actually something I see quite a bit of, I would probably say the fact that a lot of people tend to write, um, this is tone of voice wise, I feel like a lot of people write their tone of voice based on what they think would sound good for the brand Mm -hmm. or perhaps what they think their own personality which in some instances is definitely relevant Um, but they they build a brand tone of voice based on what they think would be great for the brand when really it should be the other way around where you're really kind of reverse psychology ish in it if that is (laughs) I have created a word everyone Um, um, but kind of really you're creating a tone of voice that is attractive to your consumers so Mm. even though you think a tone of voice is going to be something that's quite you know cheeky or something that is a little bit um, I don't know a bit of tongue cheek and all that if your target audience or your consumers do not find that appealing that is not suitable either. So it's not really about building a tone of voice based on, or brand personality based on what you think would be cool. Um, It's really um, kind of building a brand personality or tone of voice that your target audience is going to be appealed to, attracted to, captivated by, and just wants more of, or even something that stands out where they're like, oh, I like that. So it's not about you so much as about who yeah, your ideal customer or your ideal client is. Really. Yeah, I think there are definitely some instances where your personality is your brand's personality. And yeah. they're definitely, um, of course, if you're your own oh, yeah. brand. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You want to ensure that consistency. Um, but... Uh, I think when it comes to when you're building a brand that may where you are not the face of the yeah. brand, um, it's quite important to realise that yeah, it's not just about what you think would work well for this brand, or um, it's really about what would really captivate your audience and get them attracted yeah. to you, like attracts like. Yeah. yeah. That makes so much sense. Like you wouldn't want to have like that cheeky, fun personality if you're a really like professional kind of firm or like a, a business that's like targeting professionals who that's it yeah. yeah and I think it's also important to ensure the consistency through all your communications as well that's another so, thing I think yeah. I see doing like very very similar to what you just mentioned then like people will maybe have on their social media a tongue-cheek voice yeah. but that as soon as which is fine if it works for the brand but as soon as it gets to their emails or their even when they talk on the phone to a staff or when someone visits yeah. the store if it's completely different and they're getting communicated to in a way that is corporate or serious um it's like it's inconsistent 
um, yeah. as well. It's tricky. Like I find it really difficult because obviously like on Instagram, our captions are really like a little bit cheeky, a little bit witty, yeah, same. but then as soon as I go to write an email, I revert back to my corporate days and I'm like, uh-huh. yes, sir, madam. <laughs> kind of regards. <laughs> no, I completely get, I completely get you. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and that is another thing. I think it's important for a brand to realize it's not just about having this tone of voice on social media. It yeah. really needs to be consistent through every single touch point in your business even when things go wrong of course you don't want to be too tongue-in-cheek when things go wrong but instead of saying saying the same old automated response I'm so sorry to hear that yada 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 we've heard it all before if you've got a tone of voice Mm -hmm. that is slightly different to the conventional then to ensure that that's yeah reflected in every single touch point yeah yeah okay so speaking of touch points (laughs) nice little segue there if um, you obviously your website is a pretty big touch point in the whole customer journey. If yeah. you don't know what the customer journey is, scroll way back to like one of the first podcast episodes that I did on that. <laughs> if someone only has the budget to get one website page written, only one, which one would you recommend? Yeah, um, definitely. I would definitely recommend the About Us. The About Us mm. slash About the Brand is perhaps. Um, I personally think it's it pretty much should answer the who you are, the what you do, and why you in the about us. They should, it should really paint that picture as to if someone was to have the same product, I'm saying product or service as you. Why like what? Why you though? Like yeah. why should? What's your story and whether or not also it really a great about us will really connect to the audience if I read an about us of a brand that I'm thinking of maybe um, buying from even if they don't have they have a very minimalistic homepage even their products are very minimalistic or maybe it's highly visual if I can read even just a paragraph or a paragraph and a half as to in their own words like what they're about what they set out to do differently um, and how they're going to I don't know potentially transform or um, fix or provide me with a solution um, that will provide me with enough you know clarity and connection for me to be like yes yes yeah so yeah that makes yeah that makes so much sense because it's not at the end of the day like yeah we buy a lot of the time we're buying the story behind oh my gosh yes yeah and it's I love how you mentioned that because a lot of the time, I mean, some, and I'm using Instagram as an example, like a lot of the time people, I do see a lot of clients saying they're struggling with what to write in terms Mm. of captions, which I I feel like a lot of us do, um, like sometimes I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Sometimes I struggle too. Oh yeah, me too. It's one, this is a tip. This is a bit of a tip for Ah. you. Like sometimes try and storytell instead of simply saying, what it is. So I'm going to give you an example. So instead of having a picture of a uh, strawberry ice cream and yes. saying, yes, yeah, strawberry ice cream with a strawberry, um, I don't know, with, with an ice cream emoji, <laughs> kind of to storytell a bit, of course, if it's relevant, where you're almost like, and this would be amazing for industries like that are really connection building honed, mm. like your wedding industry, your service-based industries or service-based industries who are usually seen as ones that don't care about people yeah. and really want to hone into the fact that they want to show people that they care. Um, and yeah, so with the strawberry ice cream example, you could even tell a story of if you're an ice cream um, van about how a dad took his daughter to uh, 
the ice cream man to get her favourite ice cream, which is strawberry. Yeah. It's so much stronger than just saying strawberry ice cream slash a little story about how yeah. how wonderful it is or maybe every Sunday um, this dad takes her daughter to get her favourite ice cream. Yeah. It sticks so much more in. Instead of saying we care about our people or we want to, you know, create family-friendly, you know, ice cream, we're ice cream you know, you know what I mean. It's so much. You're you're almost yeah. saying that we care about people. We understand our clients by simply sharing a story like that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes so much sense. Yeah, like you're demonstrating rather. Yeah, rather than saying that you care about your people, you're showing people how you care. About exactly. Your um, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So there you go. Tips for a good about page, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what about for homepage copy? What are your top tips for writing a good homepage? A homepage copy, um, I would probably have around, yeah, two top tips in the top of my head. Yeah. The first tip would be not too many call to actions. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of um, businesses sometimes they'll have sign up to our newsletter, click here to find out more, um, click here for, you know, more details. Um, When when you're presented, and there's actually a a psychology study based on this where if you're presented with too much options, you're (laughs) unlikely to even make any option. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Legit. Uh, Exhibit B. Yeah. It's you, you you find, you find it too overwhelm, like overwhelming in general. And you're just like, "Eh, eh, no, no thanks. So that, (laughs) so that would be, um, that would be one example. Just really hone into what you want your, I guess your user or whoever's visiting your homepage, um, hone into what you want them to do and not overwhelm them. Uh, the other element would be, I think the second tip I would say is to where possible, really evoke a sense of, you know, what makes you different as well on your homepage. We kind of want to take the whole purpose of a website is to take your client on a bit of a journey, as you mentioned, to the stage where literally we want them to go from the home page to the about us page to the product or services to read all of that and then maybe to read your case studies or blogs to and then to really seal the deal be like oh my gosh I need to talk to them now the yeah. whole goal of a website is not necessarily just to I think a lot of people think it's just about communicating about what you do but it's a journey in itself where the ultimate goal is for them to either sign up to something you know your newsletter or to contact you or to visit your store uh, we want them to do something so we we don't want to overwhelm them we we want to show them why we're different yeah. and we want to in a way every single page convince them bit by bit in a way um you know how how what we do is going to be different to someone else or what's going to feel like if you have our product um the end goal is to get them to do something whether or not it's to sign up whether or not it's to visit your store um so to have a clear point of difference to kind of I wouldn't say try to play mind trickery, but kind of, <laughs> but kind of get them very intrigued and interested, and be like, I want to know more. Your website does a really good example of this, and like, if you, if none of you, if you haven't been to Anita's website, it's wordfettygroup.com. Is that right? Yes. yes. <laughs> if you go to it on the first page you land on, it's um, there's a big button that says push, don't pull. <laughs> and yeah. like that, that is probably the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, I think it's just really getting someone to, we want them to spend much more time on your website than simply just that we want to get them 
clicking and yeah. looking into what you're about. Like yeah. every single page should be different. You shouldn't be replicating information on any of your pages. Yeah. And I like what you said about getting them to take like one action rather than asking them to take like hundreds of yeah. actions. That yeah. is really good. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> and then what about product pages? What are your top tips for that? Um, well, I think we dive into it a little bit, a little bit earlier. Um, it's, I think it's important to take the shift um, in terms of focus. If you're a brand that really wants to stand out, it's important to shift the focus from not just describing a product based on its product features and benefits, which is what a lot of e-commerce or product-based businesses too but we kind of want to do more we want to make them feel like almost if it's a beauty product for example we want them to smell it to really feel like what it's going to be like on their skin um so it's and that's important um because we want them to we want them to ultimately buy like on a product page that is Majority of the time, the last page someone is going to land on until they press add to cart. We want them to really, like, you've obviously convinced them enough to jump onto that page and they've, you know, looked at the image and they've maybe read the description. That description is going to seal the deal. So a lot of people think it's just about benefits and features, but they, uh, you know, completely neglect the fact that, you know, People want to buy something that is going to up-level their life somewhat or solve a solution somewhat. They want to know what that feels like. They want to know the value of it. So it's really going that extra step further. And bonus points, um, it's also, you know, it's it's also an underrated opportunity too to really take advantage of your product descriptions because especially the long tail search, like the query, uh, the, the queries and keywords for SEO purposes. Yes. So, um, and, and, and a lot of the time that's undervalued as well. And, um, kind of rug pushed because it's, it's a very keyword heavy, potentially keyword heavy, um, element of a page where you can really oomph up yeah. um, the SEO elements as well on the page. I mean, all of it comes into play. It's not just SEO. Um, and I guess you don't want it to be too much SEO. No, definitely because, not. Like, <laughs> it's, you, you want to be writing for people first and then Google second. Definitely. Like we, the, the end goal is, yes, Google friendly, but we want to leave like a lasting impression in their mind. Um, and potentially if it's relevant, like tell a little bit of a story, like if it's a coffee scrub, for example, like talk about, you know, where the coffee, the, the coffee beans came from or yeah, something like or that. Like who, yeah, who grows the coffee yeah, beans. Yeah, exactly. Um, a, a bit of a lasting impression so that even if they do all the research on all your competitors, um, they're like, oh my gosh, I love that story. Or I really yeah. liked what I read there. I'm going to, yep, yeah, to God, take my money. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that kind of, that actually really fits in really well with, um, last week's episode on why somebody should buy from you rather than your competitors. And yeah, like getting that messaging, getting that story really crystal clear. I love it. Yes. That is amazing. (laughs) Okay. So you're obviously very savvy with all the psychology stuff. (laughs) What are a couple of psychological tactics to make your copy more compelling and get more people to convert? I think the best one I can share with the listeners is I think um, it's important to realise that a lot of us um, actually don't, and there's going to be shock horror, truth bomb, because a lot of us actually don't buy 
products for the sake of the products or we don't buy. And I think when we really sit down and think about it, we all know this. Like, for example, when it comes to a hair straightener, we're not really buying an iron. No. Like, when it comes to marketing, for example, a hair straightener, you don't want to be like, yes, like, this is... Like, of course you may, but we're, a lot of the advertisements that evolve around a hair straightener is really about, you know, that feeling of, you know, having... Confidence. Yeah, yeah, it's confidence. It's that hair, you know, hair, amazing hair, straight hair or curly waves. Yeah, and that feeling, feeling Yeah, the feeling of walking to a party where everyone's looking at you. That's yeah. that's just what I'm envisioning a potential marketing clearly, message might be. Clearly their hair hasn't experienced um, Brisbane yeah. in February. <laughs> and, um, yeah... And another example is, for example, and I love this example because I am personally a massive Apple fan. Yes, like, yeah, it's they don't market to gigabytes. They don't market. No. They don't talk about RAM. They don't talk about the graphics card. What the hell is that? Um, <laughs> because they target people like us. They're not selling technically. Mm. Um, they're not selling a computer, even though, of course, it's got the gigabytes and it's got the RAM. Yeah. They're selling that lifestyle. They're selling that feeling of this machine that is integrated into your life so seamlessly. Um, and it's, yeah, it is that lifestyle and it's like almost like an aspirational thing, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like it's cool to be seen with an Apple product. Yes. Well, yeah, we think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're um, both sitting here with our two Macs and our two iPhones. <laughs> So yeah, I think it's um, it's important to realize that we, as humans, we we we're emotional creatures. Yes. We're emotional beings. Like we buy based on what we want to feel. On um, majority of the time, of course, we want to feel better. Like it's not necessarily about um, writing copy or writing words for the sake of. And I guess we haven't dived into too much of the actual writing because I personally think copywriting is actually really honed on to the emotional mm. aspects. Like, what do we want people to feel? Like, what do we want the brand to be perceived yeah. as? Um, and crafting a marketing message or a brand message that's tailored to that. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So <laughs> is copy something that someone should DIY or is it something they should outsource? That is an excellent question. And yeah. I think, to be honest, it really, the, the one question that might help um, you answer that is whether or not you have, uh, you, you have the time and you also have the, I guess, energy to push your and, and get quite clear on what you want people to feel, what you want people to perceive your brand as and work backwards. Cause I definitely think copy is something that you can DIY. And I think a lot of time people, I mean, where, who knows your business better than yourself, right? Um, in saying that, um, disclaimer, like, of course, like when it comes to a copywriter, <laughs> that is their job. Like they Sometimes, need to, yeah. um, but, but that it is that feeling. And I have that feeling too, like where I'm, um, I'm like, okay, surely no one knows my business better than I do. I need to do my own copy, but yeah. I'm going to be completely transparent here in saying that it is hard writing your own copy sometimes. It like, is. I think it's almost like we know our business too well. Uh-huh. And you just yeah. feel like there's so much you want to put in. You don't want to miss a single, you know, word or a factor or a key point yeah. of difference. You want to shove it all in. But of course you've got to balance that between not over what, like what we chatted about, overwhelming people and all of that and leaving, you know, yeah. something for them to come back to and to contact you on and all of that. Um, and if, if you've got a funnel that the next step is to send them a pitch deck, like you need yeah. to have something there that's different to your website as well. Yeah. So 
And I guess also actually, um, ah, I've completely lost my point. <laughs> we'll come back to yeah, that. We'll come back to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something that people can DIY, but I'm definitely, I myself sometimes, like we just recently tweaked our website a little bit as well. And even that had, it took me, it was a very small in a yeah. way change. Like that in itself took me, I don't know, um, a number of weeks to put together um, oh. because you're just so, I guess you really, it's your baby. Yeah. Um, I remember really... what I wanted to say now. <laughs> okay. Um, no. So when it's like your own product, everything seems important about uh-huh. it. Yes. Whereas like, if you've got, a, if you've got somebody else out there who's not as attached to the product, they can be like, okay, that's yeah. important. That's like, they nice, can take that eagle eye approach. Either. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. They can be a bit more ruthless. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So if somebody decides, yep, they actually do want to hire a copywriter and they don't want to do it themselves, what are a couple of things they should look for in the person that they're hiring? Like, should they go and hire someone off Fiverr? Like, <laughs> should they spend lots of money on someone? Yeah. Look, I think at the end of the day, it's really the, the, the main thing I personally think someone should be looking for is a copywriter's ability to really dive into literally the shoes of you um, mm-hmm. or if you're the business owner because the, the the big job of like it's not necessarily you know finding a copywriter that has done if you're a real estate agent real estate before yeah. or necessarily uh, write a copywriter who has done beauty um, stuff if you're a beauty brand it's really finding someone who has the ability to really absorb everything about your industry and understand um, and be able to think as an extension literally of your brain. Yeah. Um, they really need to have that ability to think like you, understand yeah. your business and want to as well. It's not just about um, taking a brief, uh, a brief from yeah. a client and writing something that sounds amazing. Um, you could, of course, do that. But if you really want to stand out in the industry, um, you shouldn't necessarily be taking that brief. You would be questioning it. You would be yeah. challenging it. And by the way, you're kind of, you know, a copywriter is engaged to, you know, not necessarily write what an owner um, wants because what an owner, and by the way, there is a reason behind that. Um, and I say that because what an owner or what even a copywriter wants may not necessarily be what the consumer wants. Yeah. So it's really about finding that balance. Of course, you do it respectfully, but it's about challenging, asking the right questions so that you're ultimately going towards that same goal. The ultimate goal really is to create a brand that your consumers love, not necessarily what the copywriter thinks is going to sound good or what necessarily what the owner thinks will sound good. It's really ensuring that collectively the main goal is to craft a brand message that is going to be, you know, awesome for their consumers so that they keep coming back and they, yeah. it's memorable. Yet again, it's about the consumers, it not is. about yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> Seems to be a bit of a common trend. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So if somebody doesn't actually have the budget to hire a copywriter and they do want to go down the DIY route, like what, where can they go? Like, do you have any resources that you can recommend? Yeah. Um, I, there are actually a number of resources and one that I've heard of is the 
Copy wrong to copywriter. Yes, it's a tiny little. Well, it's not a tiny little book. It's a really thin, simple book, which is exactly what amazing copy should be. (laughs) Um, Yes, and a bit of a self plug, but (laughs) we're we're putting together a a number of workshops as well. That's teaching, I guess, people the foundations of um, yeah, writing great copy. So. Yeah, watch this space. Yeah, and Anita also has, if you, if you don't like writing emails or you don't like writing um, Instagram captions, Anita actually has some ebooks with templates in those as well, which is amazing. Yes. Awesome. Okay, yes. Anita, I'd love if you could please tell my listeners where they can find out more about you, like where, what's your website, your Instagram, yes. everything. Okay. <laughs> where, so... do you live <laughs> where do you live online? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, okay, so um, where our website is Word Fetty Group. So Word and Fetty, it's kind of like words and confetti. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> uh, group.com and our tag on Instagram is Word Fetty, um, which is spelled W-O-R-D-F-E-T-T-I. And yeah, our email address is hello at wordfetigroup.com. Amazing. Drop into our inbox. Yay. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anita. It's been a great chat. Thank you so much, lovely.